0: Hi everyone. My name is Cat Savage and I'm a clinical hypnotherapist and well-being expert working in the creative arts sector. In my line of work, I get to meet some amazing, colorful people from actors to artists, people who live their lives by their own rules, fueled by passion and determination to bring their unique talents into the world. I wanted to discover what it took for people to leave the usual nine to five and hop on a dream to capture their bravest moments and share these meaningful conversations with you so that together we can explore the ideas, emotions and moments that could potentially change our lives too. The Brave Moment podcast starts now, in the middle of the COVID pandemic, probably the bravest moment not only for my guests, but for the whole world. So let's keep talking, have some fun and enjoy the show. This week on the show, we talked to Emily and Paul, the dream team behind the Parent Guide to GCSEs, an online resource and support platform for parents of students going through their exams, literally supporting thousands during the pandemic right now. After Emily suffered from a period of depression at work, herself and her husband Paul bravely quit their jobs, put their heads together and are now two of the leading experts for parents and students going through the exam process. Their young business has already caught the attention of a few of our nation's celebrities and continues to be recognised for its excellence and mission to help our parents to build confidence in their ability to aid their children's education. Join myself, Emily and Paul as they share everything from their top tips to their favourite teenage memories. Paul and Emily, welcome to the Brave Moment. How are you both doing? <laughs> we are great, thank you. How are very, you?
1: Very good, thank you.
0: Very very good. Oh my goodness. We are on the back end of 2020, which has been a year that has definitely defined and magnified the positive and negatives of our education system.
2: How have you both coped with that? <laughs> with um, thankfully plenty of patience. Hmm. Because it's been it's been quite the roller coaster. And um, There've been just so many mixed messages and last-minute announcements, and it's um, it's been a little frustrating to try and help people and guide them through this without actually, you know, knowing what's going to happen next.
1: It's been quite a year to start a business, or to you know, as our first full year in was essentially the first COVID year. So it's been interesting.
2: (laughs) A very wild
0: ride for you both, I'm assured. (laughs)
1: Uh, yeah, but probably still better than teaching in the classroom. I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! My my brother is a is a teacher along with his his wife, and they've been absolutely rocked by the the pandemic. It's it's been taking their their work home, having to do things online, trying to figure out how to do online classrooms. It's been a nightmare for them. Have you had to experience the same kind of thing, or have you been able to sort of ride it out?
1: Uh, well i mean because we're working from home we, we've been uh we've been fairly
2: business as usual business yeah. as
1: usual but i suppose business as usual but at the same time it's changed what we've um, what we intended to do with our first year of the parent guide we've had to do some pivoting it's fair to say but it's been um it has been really interesting and fabulous to help so many people as well so
2: yeah we've managed to escape the the worst of the the situation by not being in the classroom but we've obviously still got lots of friends from when we were teaching and we've seen the impact that it's had on them and it's just been insane. The The amount of extra work that's being expected and with schools being in charge of track and trace for children as well, without any of the 22 billion that's been spent on it, it's um, it's a lot to ask of teachers and um, most teachers that we know are pretty close to breaking point now. So, I absolutely hear you on that. What do you think you've both learned about yourself during this time then? I I think I've learned that I'm I'm quite happy being a little hermit in my house, and you know not not going out and doing things. It's been odd, and there have been things that I've definitely missed. But um, I know a lot of people have, have gone a bit loopy, stuck in the house all the time, and I'm quite lucky in that I I like it here. I like all the people that I live with, which is nice. <laughs> and
1: um... go go me.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. I think it could have it could have gone very differently. Um, I think close quarters with people that you're not used to being quite so close quarters with has has caused a lot of friction in a lot of relationships. And we're very blessed that that's not happened. I don't think unless I've been secretly driving (laughs) you crazy.
1: (laughs) Uh, We'll talk about it later. (laughs) Um, From my point of view, I've been very lucky because uh, I do have a slight immune system issue, and uh, being in the classroom just would not be you know it would not be a good thing for me at the moment. So. Here, we to got be your- uh, a hermit here has been a, a real bonus
0: so talking talking of health um Obviously, physical health is a really big thing right now. But um, how have you seen 2020 affect the mental health of our nation's children and parents? And and how do you hope that this
2: new year will change that? Well, I would like to see a return to schools being allowed to make decisions about the the well-being of their students again, because certainly over the last month or so, we've seen increasing... Um, control taken by the Department for Education, uh, where they've you know stopped schools from going online learning and made them do in person learning without without it seems a clear understanding of exactly what's going on in schools. So there's the new pressure on teachers with um, having to suddenly become NHS staff as well, and uh, mm-hmm. it's all of those last minute like mm-hmm. ill thought through things that are causing a lot of pressure because students and parents are hearing these rumours and thinking, well, hang on a minute, I'm supposed to be doing my mocks in the first week back or worse, I have actual BTEC exams in the first week back, Mm -hmm. which again doesn't seem to have been thought of. So all of the things, all of the various rumours and leaks and Last minutecom announcements have caused so much stress for parents and for students. And I think had these things been left in the purview of, of schools, we'd have had a lot more notice and the uh, decisions would have made a lot more sense.
1: I mean, it is just to reiterate what Emily's saying. It's really frustrating because there's not a head teacher out there who would say, yes, we're closing the school. That's it. Uh, yeah, we can't. Yeah, they're always going to try and keep the school open no matter what. We always talk about snow days, where uh, you know the call for a snow day is given at eight thirty in the morning. Everyone's listening to the radio. Is school opening? And head teachers will only close when they don't have enough staff to cope with the number of students they've got, and it's always the very last resort. Whereas this pandemic situation, it's um, everything's coming from government. The, the head teachers are not being given any responsibility to, to to make a call depending on their local situation. It's so frustrating
2: yeah and because it's all so very last minute it just means nobody can plan for anything so as a parent if you've got to figure out childcare, for example that's um you know changing from day to day depending on what the latest announcement is it's i think for kids it's the uncertainty Hmm. the the not knowing what's going to happen with exams particularly so students in exam years have had a, a really difficult year because there's been the whole will they won't they with exams and then other countries have said oh no we're not going to do exams and mm-hmm. we're still doing exams in england and we're still not sure whether that's going to continue because we've had so many u-turns in the past year that it's it's
1: um, been yeah, challenging a lot of students out mm. there who've had a, a missed a huge amount of school compared to some of their peers in other parts of the country and it's just at the moment it clearly isn't a level playing field. It's not fair. But there's been no announcement about how those students will be um, better, or well, looked after, considered about the fact they've they've missed six, seven, ten weeks of school more than most. Um, there has to be some sort of mechanism to recognise that, but nothing's come out yet. So it's that uncertainty yeah. um, that students just don't don't do well on
0: my friends that do have children I don't have children myself but I'm surrounded by by people that have had so much happen to them just personally through this pandemic and I've seen everything from I mean one of my friends bless her heart um She has a a young son who's now developed anxiety about going to school because when he does, there are so many rules. He can't sort of socialize with half of his friends because they're in a different year group and they're all sort of separated around the school, et cetera, et cetera. And on top of that, having to do exams at the same time and then having all of these you know incredibly strong parents having to be brave having to be mentally resilient for their children i can't imagine how tough it's been you know just on family units in general other than you know what we've heard very minimally through the through the news i mean we haven't really heard really the personal
2: stories that are on the ground have we no, no. it's um i know for our daughter she's she's been at school and we i mean we from march were well, very early on about a week before the official lockdown happened we we said look we can see what's coming let's just you know we pulled her out of school slightly early which we were totally right to do and uh, kind of you know went full hermit and since that point we've been pretty good at keeping ourselves to ourselves and staying out of harm's way and then we got to september and we were told she has to go back to school because if you take her out to officially homeschool her she might not get her school place back and she's in a great school um you you yeah, well, because it, if schools are oversubscribed, if you take your child off roll, the place yeah. might well get filled. Well,
1: in fact, it goes back further than that because um, because she's in, she was in year six. And uh, when uh, lockdown happened in March, there was then the half term, May half term. Schools went back um, in year six, 11 and 13. But we didn't um, make her go back or allow her to go back, whichever way you put it. Um, because the the environment she'd have been going back to was so, so very different from the school that she'd loved for so many years. She absolutely loves going to school. But she'd have gone from that sort of carefree, happy environment to very, very strict discipline, you know, queuing, can't do this, can't do that, can't, you know, it, it would have been a completely, um, uh, the memory she'd have had at the end of her primary school life would have not have been. As it should have been. So I'm glad mm. we did what we did because she still remembers it as the the fun-filled um, place that it was.
2: She's uh, it's balancing between she wants to see her friends and she loves being in school, but also she she worries. You know she she knows that you can't socially distance in school because it's just not physically possible. There isn't the space. She understands that stuff because she's a smart kid, and and there's nothing we can do to to really mitigate that, which is. Been really, quite challenging the, the past few months. I, I
0: can't even imagine what that must be like and also knowing your own story as well just a little bit you know I mean obviously you're very intuitive uh, both of you with uh, issues surrounding mental health and how you feel mentally and emotionally and, and I think that's so so important if nothing else COVID has taught us that mental health is really really important and um I'd like to bring you on actually to your own story because I know that you know you've left this incredibly stressful environment um to, to come into your own business. And, uh, and I really love for you, if you wouldn't mind, just to tell your own brave story, uh, about how
2: your business came to be, if, if you wouldn't mind. Um, well, I, uh, I've been a teacher for 15 years. So I was, uh, you know, head of maths. I was in a leadership role within the school. And for the majority of the 15 years, I loved my job, but, um, shortly after becoming a head of department, um, I got made head of department. I had a fantastic team. I had a wonderful boss who'd been ahead of maths herself. She treated me like an equal. She respected me. She was, uh, I, I felt like I was learning constantly so much from her and, and I was loving it. And then she left. Um, the school went into special measures and she was kind of edged out, I think, for various reasons, which was frustrating. And I got a new boss and my new boss was not so uh, not so lovely it was just you know nothing i did was good enough and i was definitely not treated as an equal and uh, respected and so on and it all just it's that little chipping away every single day at your self esteem i think was the issue and um and i tried following all the right channels and saying look i'm i'm not you know, not loving this at the moment. Is there some stuff we could change? Could we, you know, could I have a different line manager maybe? Nothing happened. And it got to the point where I was driving to and from school every day in tears. And it was just before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And any teacher will tell you over the Christmas holiday, in fact, over any holiday, the last two, three days before you go back to school, you start to have the dreams. And the dreams always go, um Likewise. yes, well, yeah you you turn up and you're mm-hmm. suddenly in charge of um i don't know teaching biology but you have to teach it in latin or you are in charge of a field trip and you didn't know about it and they just chuck you on the bus and then half the kids go missing and it's always those kind of anxiety things um that, that teachers face or you get back in the classroom and you've just forgotten how to teach you know mm-hmm. those are normally the, first, the last couple of days before you go back after a holiday I was getting those from the very beginning of the holidays and I was miserable over Christmas and we were getting towards the point where we were about to go back for term and I'd been talking to Paul about how I was feeling and he said, look, if you're feeling like this, then seriously, you shouldn't be going back. Let's just take a week and just put yourself first for a bit. Let's, you know, Let's see if we can get you back to normal. And so
1: I took a week off. Um. But, I mean, when we had that discussion and knowing that she wasn't going to be going back in you know, a day or two's time, the you could see the weight uh, just lifting off her shoulders. And it was it was just very clear how much it was affecting her, how much it was damaging her mental health yeah. bit by bit by bit. and But that wasn't even really the uh the end of the story was it because it, no. it's just the <laughs> unpleasantness of you know not being at school and then being pressurized into returning and
2: well I think when I took that that first week off I think my brain went oh good we can stop trying to cope now and just broke <laughs> and uh, so I was basically useless for about three months um full-on depression in the end, ended up with antidepressants. You know, I tried all the let's go for a walk and let's eat healthy food and and so on, and it wasn't wasn't working. I needed the the chemical help to reset everything and started to feel more normal again. Decided I wasn't um, that going back to that school was not the right decision, so I didn't um, and got myself another job, which I was really excited about. Uh, ready and lined up for the September did a bit of supply kind of stuff in between got to the new job and um new boss same as the old boss oh no (sighs) so I I I mean part of it, it part of you feels at that stage you know is it me is it something I'm doing like am I just that difficult to work with that I'm winding everyone up but This new boss, the the turnover rate in the department had been phenomenal since she took over. So it wasn't just me. And and again, nothing I did was good enough. Or if it was good enough and couldn't be denied, it was taken credit for instead. And I just, I could feel myself starting to wobble again. I knew that this was not going to end well if I let it carry on. And again, talked to people and said, look, this is the situation. You're losing staff over this. You might well lose me over this. You know, can we do something? And nothing happened. Nothing changed. And in the end, I decided that my sanity was more important than my salary. And I quit.
1: Hmm.
2: Uh, yeah, without a job to go to.
1: But then got another job quickly. Math teachers are fairly uh, rare yes. these days. Um, but it was... You, don't, you know, probably I'd say a term, term and a half where you decided that, you know, we're starting to look mm-hmm. at other uh, other avenues that the two of us could pursue. Because as teachers, uh, you don't get to retire until you're 67 or something. And, you know, we just can't contemplate doing the pace required to work as a teacher full time. You just can't do that when you're in your 60s, I wouldn't have thought. So we're looking at other ways to, um, you know, uh, live, work. Other jobs, and uh, and that was kind of the start of the discussion about what well, can I can I go part time and concentrate on? Or Emily was going yeah. to go part time and concentrate on uh, setting up various other uh, avenues or income streams, and it's all gone from there really.
2: Getting out was it seemed almost impossible. You know, what, what on earth can I actually do? And mum and dad had uh, cut out an article for me on a woman who did Fulfilled by Amazon and had a business set up with, I think it was supplements, health supplements. And she, um, she'd she basically sourced all these things. She sent them into the Amazon warehouse. Amazon do all the work, all the distribution and stuff. She just you know promotes it and that was working quite well for her as a business. She'd built it up to the point where it was running full-time, mostly without her. And that was the first inkling that actually, do you know what, I could set something up that isn't the usual just get another job, but is, you know, think outside the box. And once we'd started thinking outside the box, more and more things started to come together. And uh, and here we are. We you know, Several failed business ventures later we've we have found our thing and we're loving it so yeah I do you know what I love
0: is you know out of a time where you could have been swallowed by what you were going through emotionally and and Paul it must have been heartbreaking to see Emily going through you know, that, that emotional breakdown and then obviously reflecting on your own career and having to, to contemplate where, where you were at, but it must've, I mean, I, all I can think of myself is, is after going self-employed, the first thing you, you go is, oh my goodness, I've got no job. What do I do? What do yeah. I do? And you sort of flounder around, don't you? Trying to, trying to find your niche for a little bit. But, um, but it's really, really lovely to, to hear that that you took that that giant leap and you didn't let that moment define you in in the wrong way. You, you built on that and it galvanized you to to really reach for your goals. And I really I love success stories like that that are born from adversity essentially. Um so so after making the decision to, you know, quit your jobs and and basically go for it, what steps did you have to take next to make it work?
1: we're we're walking to Tesco's and just I think it was a discussion of can I have my notice in I think Emily was expecting me to say well no we've got to blah 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 and pay this and pay that and I was like yeah go for it (laughs) she's like what let's go home and write a a resignation letter and it was again is that lifting the weight and what have you I I carried on for a good uh, 18 months I think as uh, you know I had a good job good salary I was doing the sensible grown up boring you know paid every month just to give us the space to uh, to develop this new business plan. So,
2: Yeah, and we just, uh, you know, we, we tried things and we saw what worked and what didn't. We did some Fulfilled by Amazon stuff. I'd done a classroom poster design for some stuff in my classroom and lots of people had commented and asked if they could have one too. And I thought, oh, I could do that. So, um, you know, got some printed, sell them on Amazon. Um, that was a start. We had a couple of total failures where I'd, designed a, a product that was sort of adapted from another thing and had to order in bulk and ordered about a thousand of them from China and then sold, you know, maybe 150 of them. And then all the copycats flooded the market and I was stuck with them. <laughs> um so that was fun. We uh, did a range of wallets that we did via Kickstarter, which are they're gorgeous wallets. Mm. They're just gorgeous, but um, there are lots of wallets and mm. uh, it's it's quite a challenging market, it turns out on Amazon, and I was not <laughs> not really prepared for the e-commerce business building side of things. and so um, basically if if you know us and love us, you will be getting a wallet for Christmas. Again, <laughs> <laughs> ten years.
1: <laughs> oh dear. But they are amazing products. That's the depressing thing. There's so <laughs> nothing.
2: Um, and then yeah, we just we We had this little epiphany that we should stick to what we know. And one of the things that used to frustrate us about being teachers was being a form tutor, because you've got to in that 20 minutes in the morning, you've got to take the register, check the uniform, check they've got their planners signed and do literacy or numeracy or smsc which is social moral spiritual and cultural education we might have known it as like pshe or life skills when we were at school
1: um while spinning templates
2: while spinning <laughs> templates and dealing with, you know do they know anything about current affairs and the news and stuff mm. and you know it just takes one kid to come in with a crisis in the morning and that's you can't lead anything from the front because you're trying to deal with the situation. And if somebody from the senior leadership team walks in and all the kids are sat around chatting while you're talking to one child, then you're for the the chopping block. So we set up a website and uh, put it together with just resources. So you Mm -hmm. could just click on the tab, right today's literacy. Here are four different things that you could be doing. It's on the board. You go for it. I'm going to go deal with this, whatever's happening over here. And, uh, and we, you know, we do a weekly news quiz and that kind of stuff. But because we're teachers and we know that schools don't have any kind of budget because they're massively underfunded, and we know that form time isn't something that's on leak tables or is judged by Ofsted particularly, so there's no budget for it. Mm. We priced it really cheaply, which I think has made people look at it and go, oh, well, that must be rubbish then. Mm. <laughs> it's only £199 for the school mm. for the whole year, when, you know. We were trying to do the right thing and make it affordable. And we've got a little core of schools who keep coming back every year and subscribing to it, but it was never going to be the thing that paid the bills. Mm.
1: So, any teachers out there, full time sorted. It's amazing, yes, full time sorted, and it's, it's going really, really strong. Um, we, we, we don't advertise it; um, no. we kind of rely on word of mouth to sort of f- to go from school to school. So, mm-hmm. it's uh, slowly building, but yeah. um, you know, we still think it's a fabulous product. And if we were still teachers, we would use it every day without yeah. fail.
2: But it, it largely runs itself now. We set it up to make sure it was as low maintenance for us as possible. So, other than writing the news quiz each week, we we don't don't have a lot to do for it which meant we could then move forward with other things but um like we we tried all these bits and bobs and they were bringing in a little money but nowhere near matching a salary Mm. and then finally my sister who runs a choir in york said well hang on a minute why don't you start your own branch of the choir in peterborough where we are Mm. and i thought oh oh, that's quite a good idea. And uh, and yeah, that, that's gone from strength to strength up until, you know, March where everything about went horribly month. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've got a, a fabulous little group of uh, wonderful people that are part of the choir and it's become a little family and I can't wait to get back and sing with them. But that with my, I think I had about 80 people between the two nights I was doing. Um, that was bringing in, kind of the the right kind of money to make salaries less of an issue which was where we really sort of went you know yes I can hand in my notice and do this stuff full time and we were still at the point where you know we we were doing okay but it was never going to get Paul out of teaching as well and we needed something else and we had a little bit of an epiphany and Our daughter was in, I think, year five at the time, and there was a Facebook group for the parents. And one of the parents jumped on and went, oh, my goodness, can somebody help me with this maths homework? I I don't know how to help her. And it's because it was bar modelling, which is a new method that's being used in in teaching maths, something that no parent met at school ever. So if your child can't explain it to you, you've got no hope of helping them to figure it out because, you know, it's this totally new thing that you've not seen before. And... A light bulb went off. Just, you know, who's helping parents? There's millions of pounds being spent helping students with tutors and revision guides and all sorts. Nobody was helping parents. And um, and that was that, really. The Parent Guide mm-hmm. to GCSE was therefore born and uh, it's been snowballing ever since. The thing that I love
0: about both of you, uh, you know, not not meeting you in person, but already feeling your vibe, is that you're clearly very, very brave. Um, you're go-getting people, and maybe you know, because you have a lifetime in teaching, very, very resourceful. Um, and it's lovely to to hear that you both weren't afraid to try a multitude of things to to bring about your dream and, and get to where you are now. I think that's utterly incredible. And uh, I mean, what was going through? What was going through your mind when you were selling wallets and you know doing all these little side hustles, Like, was there a moment where you're thinking, Oh my goodness, I've made the wrong decision? Or were you just absolutely set on finding one thing that you could you could set your, your heart on?
1: There has literally never been no. a moment of we should go back to teaching. That's no. not <laughs> even
2: a- yeah, I think we've both we've seen what life can be like on the other side. And <laughs> you know, one one of the things that as a teacher versus someone who then runs their own business and and makes their own hours and things. One of the big differences for us was the ability to to manage our own time. So when our daughter got some kind of award in an assembly or something, because it's school time, as teachers, we'd have had to beg and grovel to get that time off to go and see her. And then you're clock watching because you know you've got to get back for the next lesson. And there have been a couple of scurrying out of the back of the assembly hall incidents where it's run too long, we mm. thought, oh, goodness, we're going to be late. We've got to get back. And
1: but it was just that, it made the whole experience yeah. unpleasant because I'm not sitting there looking at my daughter's beaming smile because she got an award. I'm sitting there looking at my watch, thinking, God, can you get on with this? Because I need to go. Otherwise, I'm going to be in uh, a world of pain, a world of yeah. bother.
2: Can't leave your eight on their own, goodness. <laughs> yeah,
1: and um, yeah, it, it, just having time to do the things that are important to us as a family is you can't put a price on it. It's just yeah. so much. Uh, it's such a huge change in our lives.
2: Yeah, and you haven't had to do any all-nighters trying to mark all the mock papers and things for a Mm. while now. That's
1: one of the the things about when Emily was going through her um, problems, shall we say, with with her mental health is that I was still working as a full-time teacher, as a head of department. Head of how many departments? Head of four departments. (laughs) And it was absolutely full on. So I would normally be in school at 7 in the morning. Um, quite often I'd have to drop my boys off uh, in Stamford before that. So I'd be up at probably 10 past six,
2: 15 or, minutes each way. Yeah.
1: And um, so it, it was just a nightmare. Then I'd come home and as a teacher, when you get home at I don't know, five o'clock, it doesn't mean your day's done. You still got your marking and preparation to do. And all, all while this was going on, I had a wife who just needed lots of time, lots of TLC to, to help her get better, basically.
2: So, zero use yeah, in was, terms of getting the house sorted or anything. Yeah. So he was in charge of everything. This is obviously the common story for
0: so many of our wonderful, wonderful teachers, and to know that even when you get home, you've still got all of that struggle on your shoulders i think I think you're both a dream team to be honest, and it makes me really really smile to think that you've you've taken that step to look after each other and and I know Paul, you know when you're talking about your children. To have that time with them, to make it precious, it's it sounds like a dream, and and I'm really really pleased for both of you that it that it's turned out that way for you. So, uh, you know, talking your family and things like that. I mean, how how has your your routine affected your family life, uh, and and what have been the adjustments that you've had to make in order to make this this business of yours work?
1: Uh, well, I mean, from my point of view, it's just the adjustment of not having to get up at six in the morning and do lots of you know, getting various children to various schools, and then get myself to school, and and all that organisation, all that stress before you've even done anything uh, in the morning. Being able to get up and actually, you know, um, spend time with uh, my daughter. The, the boys have now gone to uni, so they're not uh, not here as much. But it, it's just it's so much different. The, the pace of how mm. you know how my life has changed. I still work really hard but I just don't have to work really hard at 7 in the morning uh, all the way through until 9 at night. It's, it's an adjustment I found quite easy, to be honest.
2: Yeah, it's it's just been an utter revelation because I don't think people understand, unless you live with a teacher or you are a teacher, I don't think you get just how many hours are involved because what you see in the media is, oh, teachers finish at 3.30 and then they get the weekends off and then they get all the holidays off. It's not how it works. And we both were just working all of the time and um, focusing on everybody else's children and not able to give our own children the time that we wanted. And so, you know, we went through a phase before lockdown because that made everything go a little bit wonky. But we were trying to, on a Friday, pack in at lunchtime and have a Friday. So we would go out for a Friday. We would go out for lunch or something or go to the cinema um, and we would do that at lunchtime, and then when kiddo got home from school on Friday afternoon, we'd then have some family time, some quality family time, and that was something that we could never have dreamed of as teachers. So it's it really has been a, a revelation that life can be this way, it's lovely. And as
1: soon as um, circumstances allow, we're definitely getting the Friday back on on the roster. <laughs>
0: I love that. I, do you know? What, I think we're going to adopt your Friday. I think that's an absolutely wonderful idea. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, there must be so many teachers, hopefully, that are, that are listening to you guys now, thinking, "Oh my goodness, I've got it all wrong. I'm going to go online." La 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 la. Um, it sounds wonderful what you guys have got going. So, so what is your daily routine then? And um, and do you have like any daily rituals other than your Friday eight, um, to
2: motivate and inspire you in what you're doing now? I um recently gave in uh, after being bullied by several people into doing it and read the miracle morning and I am not a morning person I am a <laughs> night owl so I've been putting this off, and everyone kept telling me how wonderful it was and when I read it and realized that it didn't actually mean I had to get up at five o'clock in the morning, it was just about setting that routine that changed quite a lot of things that was what started me trying to go for a jog in the mornings and now don't get me wrong here. When I say go for a jog in the mornings, I mean, I started doing couch to 5k, got to about week five, felt like it was going to kill me and stopped. And then <laughs> I've discovered that I can do like 10, maybe 15 minutes. I have a little, you know, I have a playlist that's the right kind of beat and it belts in my ears and I run up to a certain point and then I walk along the back of the triangle and then I run the rest of the way back home. It's 10, 15 minutes. I can do that. It gets me out of breath. It gets me some exercise, but it's not so much that it is off putting, you know, it's not like, Oh my gosh, it's going to be half an hour out of my day or I'm going to be half dead by the time I get home and it'll take me half an hour to recover. It's just 10, 15 minutes. So I've been much better lately at just like, get up, go for a quick 10, 15 minute um, shower, crack on with the day. So I, I tend to start the morning by catching up on emails and things while I'm still in bed with a coffee, um, which <laughs> Paul, is, Paul is my hero and brings me coffee in bed every morning because he's the best. I
1: don't even get a text message in the morning. It's literally just an emoji um, blowing a kiss, which basically means, fire up the coffee machine, I'll see you shortly.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds very much like i take it for granted i don't i promise he's uh he knows how much he's appreciated i hope but um but yeah and then we'll we'll sit and you know talk through if we've got stuff on that day you know we uh you know have a quick you know what's on the schedule what is it you're focusing on today what is it you're focusing on today and uh And then mostly we just ad lib the day, I think, Mm, depending on how we're feeling. So if I wake up in the morning and I'm having one of those like days where I just can't just, yeah, there's no motivation. There's no nothing. Then I'll take the morning off and read a book or whatever and hopefully snap out of it and crack on later on in the afternoon.
1: But But I can. But when we do that sometimes we don't get all the work finished during the week and, and we'll work on a bit of Saturday or some something. It doesn't you know we don't sit there thinking this is my weekend I should be off um, because we we really do pick the right times to relax yeah. and if as Emily says if she's particularly tired and sleeps in so what she'll probably on that same day work until you know later on that afternoon evening um, just to make sure that she's got done and she's very good at that, making sure that her list is ticked off, and and the day is not done until the list has basically been conquered.
2: Yes, but it you know we, this this newfound ability to decide on our own schedules is amazing. We there's a limit to the stuff that we have to do for our membership, and we've we've worked it out quite carefully to make sure our time is very well leveraged. So there's not a lot of day to day stuff that we have to do. If we're doing a bunch of work, it's because we've decided that there's something we want to do to improve our offering, whether that's a new mini course that we're writing or just setting up a new CRM just to make sure we've got all the information we need to keep our members supported the best that they can be. Those projects are things that we've decided on. So we had a big thing at the beginning of December that we were working towards. We did a webinar for Canford School and... After that point, I knew that for the rest of December, I could pretty much chill out if I wanted to. And there were a few things that I could do jobs-wise if I felt like it. That's been brilliant because Paul's just had a big birthday and I knew I wanted to get some stuff set up for that. So just the freedom to do that has been amazing. Because if I was in school, you basically wouldn't have had a birthday because mm-hmm. we wouldn't have had time to set anything up. Yeah, It's um it's it's so nice to be able to schedule the the day like that, but yeah, the, it's not really a routine because we make it up as we go along.
0: <laughs> I, I absolutely love that, and uh, I can I can hear really clearly that you both love each other very very much, and you clearly work well together as a team. How do you how do you feel like
2: your business has made you stronger as a couple? I I was worried at the beginning mm-hmm. because. When Paul first started working from home, we um, we were set up. So we're in the lounge at the moment. This is my office. I have a little desk at the far end, and Paul was sat on the sofa. And we were both tap tap tapping away on the laptops, and I thought everything was going beautifully. And then one day, Paul turned and he said, "We need to talk." It's like what? Oh no, <laughs> the dreaded <And> he, line. <laughs> yeah, which he helpfully followed up with. This isn't working. What? Oh, no. <laughs> <Not>. <laughs> so my heart stopped. I'm freaking out. Um, and it turns out that actually the issue was that I may occasionally talk to myself a little bit while I'm working. Or my computer. <laughs> and because Paul is such a fabulous and well-trained husband, he knows that when I'm talking, he should be listening because that's safest. <laughs> and avoids surprises and so whenever i'd start talking to myself it was distracting him from his work and he wasn't it <laughs> wasn't concentrating
1: sometimes i have my airpods in so uh, having to listen i'd have to stop you know take the airpod out so the music stopped or whatever it was or whatever i was watching uh just ground to a halt what's that dear oh nothing i'm just talking to myself so, <laughs> please stop. And um, so we, we, I tolerated about ten days of it, and then we, we now work in separate offices, and yes, it's all much, it's all safer, <laughs> safer. And she can talk as much as she wants to whoever she wants. Her cats, generally, yes, and they completely ignore her. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Do you know? What I- I love Emily. I think think me and you are actually spirit animals. And I know that my husband will be listening to this going, yes, Paul, I totally understand. I'm exactly the same. I'll be in the kitchen just, you know, talking about my food, like listening, like just basically singing about my sandwich or something like that. Or I'll be talking to myself under my breath and Tim will be... uh, like he'll just stop and say are you are you talking to me or like what is happening and and it's so annoying for him and i i totally feel for you paul you're a very very patient man <laughs> yeah.
1: One thing I didn't realize that I was missing when I was a teacher was, uh, obviously I was always out in the morning and Emily was, you know, when she started working from home, is is the fact that in the shower in the morning, she just sings very, very loudly, which is fine because uh, <laughs> I'm sitting there kind of working away and all I can hear, because she is a fabulous singer, hence the choir, et cetera, is her belting out several tunes at absolute top volume and it just, it just makes me smile. It, it, you know, <laughs> she's loving it. And, you know, she doesn't care. She's got the windows closed just in case the neighbours are, yeah. uh, you know. Don't want to scare anyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, it always makes you smile every single time.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So other than uh, having separate offices for for those that uh, talk to themselves when they work, what other tips would you give to couples going into business together?
1: Um,
2: make sure that you definitely like each other enough first to be in the same room all day, every day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We do, we're
2: all Yeah, um, set set clear boundaries because it's important to make sure it would be really easy for us to just spend all our time talking about work. And we we try and make sure that things like Friday are set up so that we still get quality kind of mm-hmm. couple time that's not about the job, because you know it really easily could just be working all the time, because I am a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, just setting setting aside the time to make sure that you still get some you time as a, as a couple and as individuals as well because that's still quite important. You know, so, I love you immensely, yeah. but sometimes I just need to vegetate in front of something that I want to watch on the TV. <laughs>
1: it's, it's interesting that Emily says that <laughs> uh, set boundaries and have time where you're definitely not working. But there'll be, be times before we go to bed or before we go to sleep where her brain is just bursting with a... Five hundred yeah. bajillion ideas about what we should do next, and she can't keep it to herself. She has to like, what if we did X, Y, and Z? And they're all brilliant ideas, but sometimes my brain at that time of night isn't necessarily <laughs> always as sharp as it could be, starting from quite a low bar, to be honest.
2: Because you're a morning person and yeah. I'm a night person, which just has
1: made life tricky. Yeah, so I'm sitting there <laughs> dribbling while she's basically <laughs> telling me all these amazing ideas they are going to transform our business and. Uh, yeah, sometimes a little bit earlier in the evening would have been would have been better. Good luck with that.
0: So I, I have a very very important question to ask you now. How many cups of tea do you need to get through your day, and who makes it best?
1: Ah, now that is uh, that's the wrong question. I'm afraid Ooh. it's about coffee in this house. Yeah. Tea does not exist. <laughs> yeah. We have tea in but purely in case people are if they're ever allowed to visit us ever again. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: that's why we have tea. But no, we're very much uh, coffee. Uh, coffee people and it's got to be for me four a day emily's more of a two to three or a day
2: yeah and we're we're coffee snobs slightly as well (laughs) so um we don't need coffee paul has a very fancy coffee machine and so it grinds the beans and does all the frothing and all of the stuff
1: it makes Um, me feel really manly with a little sprinkle of chocolate Um, Which isn't particularly manly, but I like it.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm glad we've cleared that up. So listeners at home, you know, if you're thinking about going into online teaching, get a good coffee pot for sure. (laughs) So coming back to your business and uh, and, uh, leaving your coffee pot alone for a minute, what have been your
2: proudest moments so far, would you say? I... I think the, the the times when we get that feedback from people. So we've had emails. Um, a couple of days ago, we got a handwritten note from one of our members um, because she knew I'd not been feeling well last week and she wanted to cheer me up and she wanted to say thank you for the year. And um, it just she's talking about how we'd gone far above and beyond what she'd expected when she'd signed up. And she gave us a little snowflake ornament that's now on the tree and – those little things where you can actually see the difference that you've made to someone's life. That is always the, the proudest bit for me. I absolutely love getting feedback from people and, and hearing about it. Cause in teaching, you can really clearly see the difference you're making a lot of the time. Whereas when it's all online kind of coaching of parents and things, it's trickier cause you're not in the house. You don't know the conversations that are happening. So to hear about them, that's been really lovely. That's, uh, I think, that's what makes me the proudest. Totally agree. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, from a a personal kind of, I suppose, an emotional point of view, because the Twins were heading off doing their A-levels last year, heading off to university, um, it was our last chance to really spend that day-to-day time with them so being able to do that because of the nature of the business was, was fabulous so if I wanted to spend time with them because they were off school or I had a, you know, mm. a home day for whatever reason then uh, I could do that and that was you know, really nice
2: That's so lovely to hear We've had some some massive milestones this year as well which we hadn't predicted were going to happen I, I wrote a book which I didn't I, I'd always wanted to do and I hadn't seen it Coming, in I figured we'd be super busy with all the business stuff but when we first went into lockdown I don't even know why because it's not like we had any more time than we would have done normally but um was inspired to crack on and write it and uh managed to launch it in July so that was that was a very proud moment for me that knowing that I've put something like that out there and and that it's making a difference that was that was pretty cool hmm. And our wonderful virtual assistant was um, amazing, and basically, kind of semi-stalked a lot of celebrity mums <laughs> to find people with the kids, their kids, the right age. What she built us for, celebrity mums stalking, which made us giggle every yeah. time. Uh, but she managed to get, she managed to get me a jacket quote from Claudia Winkleman, which was like, oh, whoa. And the um, foreword by Terry Dwyer, who, um, those of you my sort of age who watched Hollyoaks at the beginning, Terry Dwyer, <laughs> you will remember her, um, doing an amazing job producing films like Break at the moment. And she did the foreword for us. And then Sunetra Sarka, uh, Zoe from Casualty, she's on Celebrity Gogglebox at the moment. Just she, Yeah. She loved the book. And I managed to – she – managed to organize a half hour video chat with her. So we we did it live on, on StreamYard on the Facebook group. And I was just, you know, casually chatting away <laughs> with Sinecta Sarkar about the book and how wonderful it was. And those kind of things have just been mind boggling. I, I could never have predicted these things would have happened. I mean, the, the biggest one was we, we'd been, Paul went out of his way to help one of our members with uh, one of their older children who, uh, needed some interview prep to get on to a, a degree apprenticeship. And he spent lots of time helping to prepare him and going through mock interview stuff with him and things. And then
1: Well she tried to pay us for it. Um, and yeah. because I was developing what we we're doing, so we we're gonna offer it to our customers next year. I said, look, you know, it's helping me as well as it's helping you and and your son. So, you know, don't worry about it. It's kind of you know, we are both getting something out of it. And then I did a second interview. Um pro- Prep for him. And um, again, she said, I feel uncomfortable not paying. And we had the same discussion and we came to the same arrangement. And uh, eventually she she said, I'll find a way of paying you back in in, in the future. Um, And I guess over to Emily again. And
2: and randomly then we we get an email from her, by the way, don't know if I've mentioned this before and she had not, but I work for Good Morning Britain, she said. And I was wondering whether, um, whether Emily would like to come on as our, you know, I was one of our experts on GCSE results day and talk to parents about you know, what to do now that your child has got their results so like, um yes please yeah. that would be amazing <laughs> so yeah randomly in August there's just me on uh, national tv uh, goodness knows what happened morning and yeah that and was awesome It was just, it was surreal. The opportunities that have come about have just been amazing. We have been so, so lucky. And, you know, it's the sort of thing that comes about because you've done the right thing and you've helped other people and you've been consistently being helpful.
0: So, obviously, everyone, uh, everyone that has kids, they've become teachers in the last year. Oh, my goodness. Um, and I know that one of your, your lines is uh, to, to help parents not to nag at their children to get their work done. So, what top tips do you give parents who are nagging at their kids with no results?
2: Uh, well, first up, knowledge beats nagging every time. So, everything we do is about giving parents those little tips and tricks and things so that I mean nagging happens because you know they should be doing something but you're not quite sure how to help them so you just like have you done your revision yet have you have you been and you know spent three hours sat in your room staring at your notes which is so ineffective knowledge is you know what let's have a 25 minute blitz of uh, turning these notes into a mind map and to be honest that is just as effective as two hours of sat half looking at your phone, half looking at your notes, not really paying a great deal of attention, singing along to your songs. And knowing the difference mm. means you're not you're not just kind of nagging them and feeling like that's all you do. You're coaching them. And so I guess be as informed as you can be would mm. be a top tip because when you know what you're talking about – you can speak from authority rather than from I feel like this is what you're supposed to be doing, so mm. this is what I'm gonna tell you to do.
1: Which sounds like nagging. Yes.
2: yes. And and have someone else to blame. So one of the biggest things we do for our members is we are the person to blame. Like um when your parents tell you to do something, and I always tell this story, you as a teenager, you tend to not do it. So my mum told me that I should read the Harry Potter books because I would love them. So I did not read the Harry Potter books for about three years (laughs) on principle because I didn't want her to be right.
1: And because this is quite (laughs) controversial, somebody in here is quite stubborn.
2: Just occasionally. (laughs) But but if someone else had recommended it to me, I'd have been straight in there. Hmm. So one of the things that we do is we say, you know, Our membership is about you get a weekly bite-sized chunk via email or you can watch the video instead of advice each week. If you sit down and watch that or read that with your child, then it's advice coming from experts. It's not mum thinking she knows everything. And that makes such a difference because, you know, we we are. We're predisposed as teenagers to roll our eyes because we're trying to figure out our own way and be our own person. And so if mum says it that's that comes with a bit of a meh. whereas when it's no this is what the experts say you should do because it'll save you time that's much easier to get across so have mm-hmm. someone else to blame we're happy to do that for you
1: yeah
2: um that's why i wrote the book it's all in the book blame the book <laughs> it's the easiest way to do it what's your book called emily so, yeah we're um, it is the GCSE survival guide for parents and it's available from all good bookstores so long as they're called Amazon <laughs> or, <laughs> or on our website. So uh, parentguide parent to GCSE.com forward slash book.
0: Awesome. Paul, do you have anything to add to that or, or has Emily sort of covered bases?
1: No, no, she's, uh, she's covered everything on, on that point there.
0: <laughs> you are so efficient, Emily. I love it. <laughs> A star for effort. Um, okay. So, uh, Paul, I used to be what they call now a panzer, or someone that leaves everything to the last minute and flies by the seat of their pants. How do you think it's all changed now that online resources are available? And is there a scientific formula for efficient revision?
1: Oh, goodness. Uh, well, what I would say is that pantser is still very much a, a, a thing, alive and kicking. We did um, a podcast <laughs> with some of my former students who all basically admitted to being exactly that, panthers where they didn't start revising until sort of maybe February, maybe March. And you know, but our advice is, you know, if you are, well, whether you're in GC- doing GCSEs or whether you're doing post 16 A levels, B whatever, just start revising as early as you possibly can at the start of year 10, even if it's only for 15, 20 minutes a day, which frankly in any one schedule is not a huge amount of time it just makes a huge difference at the end. So we're very much about routines, very much about um, getting started. So you, you know, you, if you are going to do that 15, 20 minutes, half an hour a day, it really isn't a lot of time, but by the end of the course, it adds up to hundreds and hundreds of hours of revision, way more than all these pantsers who are doing it at the end of March, starting to get really worried about it, knowing that they haven't done enough. Um, yeah. And it's, it, it, that's our main message really it just when it comes to stress levels anxiety which is a huge issue with students these days the sooner you can start the, the the less problems you're going to have towards the end of your course
2: little and often for the win so let's have it then
0: what did your school report card say about you and what do you think your teachers would say about you now
2: <laughs> um well I, i'm going to jump in on this one first i think i i <laughs> i was i was a swat. i was a i was that nerdy kid who was good <laughs> and worked and so on and you know was a giant nerd there's no other way to explain it i uh, i got stopped it <laughs> yeah okay i am still a giant i will go with that um, i was always too concise So I got in trouble on uh, essays and things because I would just get straight to the point and that was it. And then I wouldn't write enough. I've got better at waffling since then. I don't know if you can tell. Um, (laughs)
1: Played the fifth.
2: But no, I think I was I was pretty good. I don't think I gave my parents too much grief at parents'
1: evening. So whereas I was uh, described as uh, very quiet and diminutive, which I wasn't. I was never happy about because I'm, I'm nearly six foot tall. So I did grow up <laughs> in the end. But um, yeah, and also uh, I went back to my uh, school when I was a teacher, training to be a teacher, or soon after I qualified, one of the two. And uh, one of my former teachers was still there, and he did say of all the people um in you know, in my year group i was probably the last one he expected to become a teacher because i was so quiet so wow. <laughs> <laughs> do we do we need to mention
2: head boy at any, at any stage or? oh
1: yeah I was, I was my head boy uh, in, <laughs> in part of the school yeah not not at the top of the school in the lower school i was a head boy yeah what well, I'm fairly sure, and obviously time has kind of slightly dimmer memory, but because I was head boy, there was an issue about losing the keys to the house at some stage. <laughs> it's one of my jobs. And I think I nearly got fired for it, but then I didn't get fired. I can't remember. I remember it being a bit of a problem though.
2: Yes, because this was boarding school because Paul's an RAF brat, so he uh, he did the whole posh school and everything.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm so incredibly well-spoken. not. Oh. <laughs>
0: What were your uh, favourite school memories?
1: Right. Well, mine was, uh, I was thinking about this because uh, it's actually to do with escaping school because when I was, and this is something I'm bang on about and Emily takes the mickey out of me for, but when I was um, uh, probably about 12 to 16, I, my parents lived in Hong Kong uh, as part of this RAF <laughs> situation. But I remember specifically when I was about 14 that I had to get from my school uh, all the way to Hong Kong. Completely on my own. So I basically jumped on a train in Oakham, went to Peterborough, jumped on the main line down to London, jumped on the underground six stops, jumped on the Gatwick Express, found the right check-in, sat there, and, you know, all the way to uh, – nearly got off at Dubai by mistake, but that, you know, we glossed over that quickly. That wasn't my mistake. That was somebody else saying, should you be getting off here? It's like, I'm pretty sure this isn't Hong Kong, but, you know. And, uh, yes, yeah, so I did that whole journey as, as a 14-year-old completely on my own. Which I I still remember. It was like a really big adventure. I was being really grown up and what have you. So that's probably my favourite memory. This is the
2: first time and the last time for everything. Right?
1: <laughs> Controversial. <laughs>
2: How about you, Emily? Um, I I was trying to think about this. Um, I can't do anything too incriminating. So, um, in year ten. I vividly remember my dad coming in to do an assembly I remember sitting in the hall uh, for it was an assembly for the whole of year 10 and he played the guitar and sang a song and talked about discrimination it was it was the uh, a song about it's not much fun being a gnome I want to say it's Flanders and Swan um, and it's very funny but I remember. I didn't well I don't remember getting any grief from anybody about it I think he did an absolutely cracking job and you know 15 year old kid with their dad doing assembly it, it there's a lot of scope to be utterly mortified but I think I was pretty proud of him for that. so um I think that's that's one of my clearest memories from school I I nearly missed my um my GCSE English literature exam. It was my last one. I was convinced it was in the afternoon. It turned out it was in the morning. Got a panicked phone call from school, um, which was, uh, you know, why aren't you here? (laughs) What? (laughs) So everyone had gone out. I was 15 minutes walk away from school. I was in such a tears. I had to get the neighbor. So a school friend's mum from down the road had to drive me in because mum and dad were at work got there and I was in such a, such a state that they wouldn't even let me start for about 15 minutes. So I missed everybody coming out after the last exam and what have you. But, um, it, it is my favorite memory of being completely stupid at school. <laughs> and for someone
0: who is obviously on it, uh, in school and, and in quite a swat, I bet that was traumatic for you. Oh my goodness. I, I can remember. Um, at school, one of my favorite school memories was actually uh, we had a new head teacher come to the school and I went to a uh, an all girls school uh, called Devonport High School for girls listeners if you're a if you're a survivor well done anyway we had this uh, this amazing northern Irish new headmistress come into school and uh, it was the first assembly of her first day and we had been sat with sort of like this gully down the middle of us in the in the hall for the first time ever and uh, Uh, And in rolled in on a scooter, Barbara Dumble wearing a very, very pointy uh, Madonna type bra over her robes. (laughs) And she skated down the middle of, of the hall. To to all of our sort of shock and, and awe at this crazy woman just coming through the middle of us, parting the seas as it were. And she got on stage, and her first her first assembly was on the importance of feminism and our right to uh, to dress and be how we wanted. And uh, and I was hooked no. then. She she became my favorite favorite teacher. She taught us English literature as well, which ended up being one of my favorite subjects. And uh, and Barbara Dumble, I, I believe she's a she's still alive today. She's in her eighties and uh and sharp as a whip and uh, yeah if she's listening to this hello babs we love you we love you uh who were your favorite teachers when you're at school and what do you think makes a good teacher
1: oh, what makes a good teacher is just somebody who cares about the students somebody who um you know just gets on well with their class rather than if, if students are enjoying what they're doing they will learn it's as simple as that and yeah. far too often uh, you know Teachers try to be all, you know, a a big disciplinarian and don't have that relationship with the class to really make sure that information goes in. So, I mean, for me, I I always remember um, uh, her name is Mrs. Hardy and um, she was just brilliant, super teacher, um, loved her lessons. And, you know, to this day, just always still respected her and everything that she did both you know for me as a student and as a teacher was just um you know because obviously I was, went to boarding school so there's a pastoral side to it as well and she's just a, a legend
2: yeah I think for me it, the the good teacher thing is about partly about patience because you need to have a great deal of patience and um, if nothing else if somebody doesn't understand The first time you've explained something as a teacher, your job is to keep explaining it in different ways until it fits. So I explain it like a jigsaw puzzle piece. If I'm trying to put the piece in upside down, doesn't matter how hard I try, it ain't going to fit. My job is to turn that piece around and try and explain it in a way that clicks for you so that you understand. And that requires a great deal of patience. But uh, as Paul said, I think mutual respect Mm. between teacher and student makes such a difference. and you can tell when people respect you and when they don't. And I think that that's probably a key. I mean my my teachers, my favorite teachers, uh, Di Goldsmith, who was a total legend? Did lots of extracurricular stuff. She was a dance teacher, and I loved dance. I was very much the dancer when I was a teenager, and she used to let me help out with things. So I was uh, kind of, you know, unpaid assistant in lots of different ways, including in the sixth form when I used to go back in my free periods and work as a teaching assistant, basically, for her in her dance classes and we had uh, we had one lesson where she she knew she was going to be off she was doing some kind of training thing and so she planned it in advance with me that I would be the cover teacher and they had to have a proper cover teacher sat in the back of the room just you know so there was a grown up there but I was trusted to take the lesson and that for me completely solidified the yes I want to be a teacher and the experience that she gave me was probably the difference that got me into the uni that I got into because it was all based on uh, my interview and and that was that was down to the experience that she gave me but my maths teachers were also pretty spectacular and I got to work with some of them so when I was a head of department two of my previous maths teachers were in my department which was weird awesome so mr blackman and mr pepper who were amazing and then also miss hicks and mrs jones mary jones was the making of me at A level maths, so um, I was I was very lucky to have some amazing teachers when I was at school. <laughs>
0: I I love hearing that. Um, I I think yeah because we went to a to a girls' school. I I was sort of limited with the teachers that that gave us that respect and that mutual respect is so needed. I think in our education system, um, and it does it makes such a massive difference. I think a lot of us forget uh, how emotionally you are when you're in your teens and and how pliable you are as a person. And those little things that those teachers do to go above and beyond, they really do make a difference, don't they? Um, Okay, so we're we're coming to the end of the interview. Sadly, I've I've absolutely, I've learned so much today as well. It's been absolutely wonderful and a a very cheery, cheery couple uh, in an otherwise miserable situation for teachers right now. But if you could choose a song that sums up your journey, what would it be?
1: Well, I'm going to go first on this one. So, uh, there's a little bit of debate about this and we didn't share with each other what they what they were but um mine would be a, a crazy little thing called love
2: Aww. because
1: that, that's, essentially that's why we're here though because you know we, we something we didn't mention earlier we started at uh, teaching on the same day at our uh first ever school and you know here we are 16 17 years later married um great business loving what we do and uh yeah so it's, it's, it's all about a crazy little thing called love
0: adorable he's a keeper
1: <laughs>
0: yeah
2: oh, i know right that's gonna make mine sound terrible now but um uh, well yeah i might have to rethink no i was <laughs> i was gonna go with um i was torn between two actually and they're two of our favorites at choir which is probably why they popped into my head but um pink's perfect uh, and if you're if you're listening to this and thinking oh I should I should listen to that do listen to the radio edit rather than the album version because it contains naughty words and I don't <laughs> want that to have been my fault um, you know pretty pretty pleased don't you ever ever feel like you're less than less than perfect like people try and convince you that you're not and you need to be able to remember that you know. You're you're pretty awesome. I I mm. think that that's been a, an important message for me throughout all of this. But then I was also going to go with take that's rule the world, mm. which um,
1: I like which it. you know,
2: the eventual goal. But also, it is just—it's one of our favourites at choir. It's our little anthem, and uh, and I I miss them. Can we have a shout out for your choir? Can you name them for us? I can. It's (laughs) Lucy's pop choir, uh, but specifically the Peterborough branch because they're mine, and they're amazing. And I love them to bits and I can't wait to sing with them again. I love it. I love that that's been born out
0: of your experience as well. What a wonderful way to bring joy into the world. Um, So what do you think is the most precious part of your life now? And how has that changed or grown as a result of what you do for a living?
1: Time. Time, yeah, definitely time. Time together, time to do our jobs, time to spend with the kids, um, just yeah something we never had before um or if we did it was always just fleeting ships in the night that sort of thing
2: yeah. so and and this year safety mm-hmm. you know the fact that we're not both working in a school mm-hmm. at the moment has made a big difference this year i i would spend my life in constant dread worrying about you if uh, if we were both in schools so yeah. that's that's another thing this year that you know has come about because of all the various things that have happened to us in the past. That's, that's what brought us to where we are today. And uh, I, I wouldn't change any of them because it might change where we are now. And yeah. this is, this is exactly what. Yeah, oh,
0: That's beautiful. You're going to make me cry in a minute. <laughs> so obviously <laughs> this is the brave moment podcast. So what do you consider to be your bravest moment or moments personally or business wise, spiritually? Emotionally, I,
1: I think for me it was the uh, the final handing of the notice, the sort of the uh, the umbilical cord finally being cut. So there is no going back. You can't stitch it back on. It is uh, you're on your own now. You've got to put on your big boy pants and uh, and and make this work even better than it already was.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think um, the the last year. My The thing that has terrified me the most, but I've done it anyway, was Good Morning Britain. Just the thought of being in front of millions of people. And if I say something stupid, you know, it's it's live enough that I can't take that back. <laughs> that was, that was my, my bravest moment this year. Yeah. But same, just the, the stepping away from the security of a job into, oh, my gosh, I'm in charge of this now, was also... Pretty brave, Mm.
0: because it was pretty terrifying. Mm. I can well. I mean, I've been there myself, and and it is. It's it is the bravest thing you'll ever do in your life, isn't it, to step away from what most other people consider to be the norm, to be the right. the comfort space, uh, and something, especially if you're so used to being in that sector, to have to walk away from it and and trust yourself and know that, like you rightly say, Emily, that you are enough, that you you're. Intelligent enough and successful enough in your own emotional standing to to make those successful decisions for your future. So, um, a, a question I'd love to ask you is: What can you say from the other side? Like, what what is your affirmation uh, to to make that leap into the unknown?
2: There is light at the end of the tunnel. The the grass is sometimes greener on the other side, and whilst it's scary, and it isn't an easy thing to do there have been many challenges we have worried about money at various points during it i would not change this mm. for the world now
1: yeah. in uh, in any way the timings of everything that we've done i think we've we've got it absolutely spot on yeah. we we had some friends over a couple of weeks ago both teachers and they were saying you know uh, explaining how they thought we were very brave and what we did and how pleased they were that it worked out but basically, then said, "But we want to do the same thing. Uh, where should we start?" And you know, to get that sort of, I don't know, confirmation, affirmation. Then what we've done is, you know, that they they think we're, uh, we're we're very brave in doing it, and they can see the benefits it's had on on the both of us. Mm. Um, and our advice then was, you know, because they are both teachers, one could. You know, start thinking about. He was thinking about doing tutoring. Um, there's nothing to stop him doing that. Um, so one could carry on working just for a bit longer while he gets his business up and running. Um, if you keep talking about it and not doing it, that's that's where Ain't the problem starts. Happened. Yeah, it's, it just requires yeah. that brave moment.
2: Yeah, there's you've got to think outside the box and change the way that you're looking at work, and you'll be amazed at the opportunities that you'll find when you start looking out for them. That is absolutely
0: wonderful advice. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. So the final question, I'd like to know what your new Year's resolutions are for your business and for yourselves and
2: and what advice and tips you would like to give parents heading into this new year? Well, personally, I uh, have a new resolution that I am going to be slightly more active I've gone from you know constantly pacing around the classroom to sitting on my butt in front of a computer for a couple of years now, and it's starting to take its toll. So uh, I'm going to try and be a little less um couch potatoy <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and keep learning. So I'm I'm always on the lookout for new business books to read and podcasts to listen to and things and that's made a big difference to me this year i want to make sure that i keep pushing forward learning new things next year too
1: yeah i don't want to nick too many of Emily's ideas but the the idea of just being um, i mean lockdown has been it's been really weird because i am slightly i mean compromised and all that kind of stuff i have stayed in more than i'd like to and i just i do like getting out and doing stuff so just having more fresh air more exercise i know you know i, d- I don't need to lose weight or anything like that but just just spending more time being active is definitely top of my priority list personally. Um, business-wise, just continue what we're doing and trying and, to try and help uh, make the lives of parents and their teams um, going in towards exams that little bit easier, basically.
2: Yeah. Just, uh- Getting out there and helping more and more people because there are so many parents out there who are struggling and uh, finding this year really frustrating and watching their child struggle and get more and more stressed. And we can help. It's just making sure that we get to those people so that they know we we exist. So, um, yeah, world, world domination, mm. but in a supportive kind of a fashion. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a
0: mic drop moment. So I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously um, for those parents that are a bit frazzled by the end of the year and they're heading into 2021, where can they find you and what are your social media
2: handles? Uh, so we are parentguide2gcse.com. Uh, or search Parent Guide to GCSE on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page where we do lots of useful stuff and we keep you up to date with all the random government announcements and so on. Uh, But we've also got a community, so a group of parents who are going through the exact same stuff as you, so you can go on there and ask questions and get advice or just vent if you need to. Uh, And then the same applies for Parent Guide to Post 16, Um, so it's the numbers 16. And, uh, yeah, Facebook Again, we've got a community for parents. So just you don't have to do this alone. Uh, I think that's the biggest top tip. Uh, We have our own podcast, the Parent Guide to GCSE podcast. So we've been really creative with all of our naming, as you can (laughs) tell. Um, And... uh, Yes, the, the book, the GCSE Survival Guide for Parents is a great place to start.
0: <laughs> Thank you so, so much to both of you for taking time out of your uh, busy schedule to come and speak to us here at the Brave Moment. Thank you very much. Nice.
1: really you. lots of fun.
0: I can't even imagine what our amazing young families are having to deal with right now. And it gives me great hope to know that there are bright, warm hearted people such as Emily and Paul doing their best to support them. I love how totally in sync with each other they are, how they recognise the importance of hard work, yes, but also the importance of taking time out to elevate their relationship and their children. Both appreciate that what they've really done is exchange conventional jobs for precious time and in doing so have created quality of time in their lives to really give their all to each moment, making them better at their collaborative career, but also as partners and parents. It just goes to show that if we are willing to face what we fear, what keeps us up at night and who keeps us down, we can smash through it all and find a better way. All it takes is courage to listen to the warning bells and a bit of faith in who you are and what you're actually worth. Emily said that once she realised that she was enough, she found that strength she needed to change her environment to one that supported her needs, and Paul, through supporting that change, found his own confidence to pursue their dream together. They both know what it takes to step into the unknown, to leave behind that which stifles and step into growth together, and as they've expressed, they would never go back. Regardless of whether you have a supportive partner to help you make those big decisions, surround yourself with inspiring people and online communities that you can turn to to help you take the next step. Choosing sanity over salary can be a scary concept. Leaving behind consistency and comfort for something unfamiliar is considered by some to be a little crazy. But staying in a place that makes you actually feel crazy? Well, that is the true definition of madness. I always say that if it excites you and scares you at the same time, it might be a good thing to try. So start by finding those that believe in your vision and let them support you. Do your research, crunch the numbers, make a treasure map and take those first wobbly steps. Before long, you will walk. It may not be in the comfortable slippers you've been used to all of these years, but this new pair will support you just the same. You can always scuff them up a bit along the way. As Albert Einstein once said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Maybe, just as Emily and Paul have shown us, it's time to try something new. Next week on the show, we talk to singer and songwriter Sestra about her new album, orchestrating the vocal tour de force that is choir noir and what it takes to survive in the music business. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the show. If you have a spare moment now, please like, subscribe and tell me your thoughts in the review, which will really help other people like yourself to find the show. Of course, you can also share with your friends and follow us at the Brave Moment Podcast 2020 on Instagram or the Brave Moment Podcast on Facebook. If you're interested in getting in touch, pop on over to the therapy page, Coping to Mastery on Facebook or via the website, copingtomastery.org. It's been so wonderful to have you all here with me again. Please get in touch with the show with your own stories. And don't forget, your brave moment starts now.